I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Health Power. If you are a fan of wine, I have got the book for you. The Wine Bible, a third edition. It is by the wonderful Karen McNeil. She is one of the top wine professionals in the United States. Her deep wine knowledge, engaging style, passion, and creativity are evident in everything she does. And this book is incredible. Karen, welcome back to the show. I just love your third edition. Oh, thanks, Lisa. That really means a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, number one, I love looking at travel books. I don't travel so much, but I love to watch shows on travel. And I, and going through your book, I mean, the photographs and the stories, and you feel like you're there. What was it like putting this together? You know, writing is a very solitary aspect or a solitary behavior, right? Um, but wine is a way to to travel. And so during the writing of this third edition, which which just came out uh, about a week ago, mm. we um, uh, my my staff and I tasted about two thousand wines. Wow! And we were, you know, we were transported. So when we were tasting Italian wines, you know, um, we were in a sense transported to Italy, and so it was it was great. But I thank you for asking, but. You know, I have a very different way than many writers when it comes to uh, writing about wine because I also write about the foods of the region, the culture of the region, the history. Um, and as you know, there are like hundreds of side boxes that of fascinating things that make wine come alive. Oh, there sure is. You know, being a dog fanatic, of course, I was drawn to, it's a dog's life. No, really. And you talk <laughs> about the California vineyard that a dog realizes his higher calling. And you have these beautiful labs. I thought that was so cute. I mean, you've got everything in here. Yes. Well, thank you. Trying hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing I love is you have the 12 attributes of greatness when you're talking about wine and you've got distinctiveness. Tell us, how do you define that? One of the um, one of the things that I think is true, no matter if you are a connoisseur of wine, uh, very knowledgeable about it, or a beginner, is you know you want to drink great wine. All things being equal, you'd rather drink a great wine than a mediocre wine. Right. And and so I have been thinking about this idea of. What does make great wine great? Because that's a real central idea for yeah. every single wine drinker. And over the years, I, um, you know, in the first edition of the Wine Bible, I had five things that I thought all great wines shared, no matter where they were from or what grape variety they were made from. This third edition, I have 12 ideas that I think all great wines share. And I don't, you know, I don't want to spoil it for your listeners because sure. it's, a, it's a, it's really a fascinating section to read because most wine books never address this question of what makes great wine great. Well, one of the things that jumped out at me of these 12 things was choreography. And you write, what I'm about to describe has no agreed upon language. Indeed, it's virtually never addressed in wine books. So people have to get the book to read the other 10. But tell us about choreography. Yeah, you know, when, when people describe wine, they often describe 
uh, describe the flavors by using similes and metaphors. They'll say this wine is like cherries or like chocolate or like cowboy boots. It could be anything. <laughs> but but really, the great wines of the world go beyond merely having aromas and flavors. They have very distinctive ways of moving across the palate. You know, some wines are very quick. They sort of race across the palate. And some wines are like waltzes, long sweeping movements across your palate. Mm. Some, um, some wines are like, you know, a, um, like a firecracker or fireworks. They burst open on the palate. And all of those ideas are really important and they they cause you to really love or not a wine and but one thing is for sure and i i call this choreography every great wine has a very distinctive way that it moves and uh, and a velocity to it um that is is just fascinating Oh, I love that. You know, not only do you get into the land, the grapes, the vineyards, the the foods, but you have this great age. Wine glass is a history and Italy's early role. If any substance was meant to carry wine, it is glass. In the first century BCE, mouth-blown goblets, beakers, and bottles were already being made in the Mediterranean and Near East. I love the historical facts in the book. Yes. I what sets the wine bible apart, I think, you know, is is that a sentence like the one you just read yeah uh could take weeks of research to write just that one sentence but it makes the book uh so so rich and um and deep uh because you know most people might say you know when wine glasses were invented comma this this and this happened but the wine bible says when wine glasses were invented in 1 bc comma this this and this happened and it's all those all those extra details that um that i think add up to uh, our fascination with wine now in this edition you added some other places there's croatia slovenia and wine in the ancient world is a great mm. chapter I don't know. I know stuff about wine now, thanks to your book. But what what would pair well with the Branzino? Like if someone's listening and going, I want to have a special night this weekend. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, most people, when they think about Italian wine, they think about red wine. It's it's sort right. of the way they think about a Ferrari, you know, yeah. it should be red. <laughs> but um, Italian white wines are absolutely fantastic. And if I were... Having Branzino, I would absolutely have a a white wine, maybe a Sauvignon uh, from uh, the region of northern Italy called Friuli, um, or a really super crisp Pinot Grigio from a region called the Alto Adige, also in northern Italy. Northern Italy is is the sunny side of the Alps, so the wines that are that are made there are super fresh and racy and cleansing Ooh. and cool. So they're great when you have a grilled piece of fish. Oh, wow. That is so nice. Now, when people are are choosing wine, you hear, well, I would like, I like my wine extra dry and dry and medium dry, medium sweet. You have a great box in the book, the specific sweetness level of each Madeira style. Let's talk to us a little bit about what, what those terms mean. 
There is uh, no agreed upon definition of sweetness or dryness level um, globally. But each different region, um, some Madeira is a dry, some are sweet. And so in Madeira, there is a, a hierarchy for that. In Germany, it's, it's different. Some wines are dry. Most wines are dry, but some are sweet. In Champagne, the same thing. So you have to, uh, in, in every region where the wine could be dry or could be sweet, I've given boxes on how sweet sweet is or not so that you could easily look, easily look that up. This must have taken so long, Karen. I mean, there's so much research. What was that process like for you? Well, the first wine Bible uh, took 10 years to write and and research, largely because um, I was also traveling around the world. And and a lot of the original research was done before the internet. People think the internet has been with us forever. But even in the early 90s, the internet was, was for writers, not a real uh, um, um, dependable source of facts. Um, you really had to go places and speak with people in person to get the story straight. So the this third edition, though, has only taken five years to write. So I'm getting twice as fast. Oh, that's great. Now, I was interested, too, in the great... Benito, I hope I'm saying that right, wines. You've got sparkling, you've got whites, you've got reds, you've got icampi. I love how it was founded. And and you say Caminere is forever associated in my mind as one of the great red grapes of Chile. And all the little attention to detail is really impressive. Well, thank you. Every major chapter does have a great wines of section. So, um, you know, whether you're thinking about, you know, gosh, I'd like to know more about Spanish wines from Rioja. There's a, there's a great wine section. There's a great wine section for Napa, Sonoma, for, as you just read, the Veneto, for um, every top region of Italy. Um, yeah, so those were fun because, um, you know, usually we've included about anywhere from six to 10, really, if you taste those six to 10 wines, you'll really, really have a good feel for the flavors of that region. And to do that, we had to taste uh, an enormous number of wines to figure out which would be just the most perfect ones for consumers to taste. This might be a tough question, Karen, but what are some of your favorite wines? Yeah, you know, I... um, I think about wine the way I think about cravings for food, which is to say that, you know, some nights you're just in the mood for lasagna and some nights you're in the mood for a steak and some nights you're in the mood for Asian dumplings or spring rolls or something. So you you really can't say that one is categorically better than the other. You're just following um, your instincts about, you know, what you're in the mood for and your cravings. So for wine, because um, because there are so many flavors out there, there are so many grape varieties. It's really nice to just follow your your own curiosity and not necessarily. In fact, I always say to my students, the best way to learn nothing about wine is to continue to drink what you already know you like. Um, 
So it's wonderful to to keep experimenting. And for me, I um, you know, I get to drink a lot of different kinds of wine, but uh, I do though almost every night have a glass of sparkling wine or champagne. Um, I consider it indispensable to marital harmony. <laughs> oh, I got to try that. <laughs> and you know, uh, m- many people think champagne is super expensive. It's really not. Um, and California sparkling wine, you can get a really excellent California sparkling wine for $25 or $30 a bottle. That's $6 a glass. That is great. Yeah, after a long, hard day, I'm willing to give myself a $6 glass of wine. Well, if anyone deserves it, Karen, it's you. I mean, this book is incredible. Again, the Wine Bible, third edition, over 800,000 copies sold. Karen, tell us all the ways we can find you and your fabulous book. Yes, you can uh, get the Wine Bible at anywhere where books are sold, of course. But if you'd like for the holidays, maybe... As a gift, if you would like to get a copy that is signed and inscribed to your loved one or friend, you can uh, get a signed book by going to KarenMcNeil.com. We have a tab for the Wine Bible, and you can tell us there who you'd like me to sign it to, and that, and then it becomes this wonderful uh, holiday gift. Oh, this is wonderful. People are going to be thrilled to get this for a gift for the holidays. Karen, you are such a gem. Thank you so much for coming back on Health Power. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Lisa. Thank you. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. And we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.